Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, recording from the Long Island home bunker. Folks, I am having a fucking day, and it's one of those days where the night before I spent way too many fucking hours on Twitter unpacking the latest Tucker Carlson story and what I have been thinking about as we, you know, are getting the drip, drip, drip of all of his fucking texts, probably from Fox News or some affiliate of Fox News. There is something much bigger going on. There is something much bigger as all of these distractions that Fox and the media are putting out, I just, there is a nagging feeling that I have that it's like, look at this shiny thing over here while we continue to, you know, disrupt and rob and pillage all of your civil liberties over there. I want us to be able to have the flexibility to walk and chew gum at the same time to both stay alert and yet stay emotionally well and intact, which I am struggling with this week. I came to Long Island because, one, I wanted to spend time with my family, but I also needed to be around just more nature and get a change of scenery because I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I know that I'm not alone. I know that's why many of you come to this show, to feel like you are in community and not just a crazy person that wants to be able to open up their front door and just scream. I feel like if we were to collectively decide to do that as like a society just every day at, say, 7 p.m., just open up your front door and let out a scream for, you know, one to five minutes 
and then just go back inside, I feel like we would all be better off these days because it's how we are all fucking feeling. I am going to be having a conversation on this episode, a supersized conversation with my friend, Dr. Christina Greer, who is a political scientist. And you see her on MSNBC and in other places talking about, you know, our democracy and pretty much how to stay sane and how she continues to teach, you know, the next generation of analysts and political scientists and, you know, potential politicians and legislators and all of these things and how she continues to hold on to hope. Because I got to tell you, I, you know, have long nails and I feel like I am hanging on to the side of a cliff with my claws just, you know, trying my damnedest. Some days are better than others, folks, and today is not one of those days. I am going to go back to what I tell you all, which is to limit my time on social media, particularly the cesspool formerly known as Twitter. It's just, okay, like, let me just say this. Social media this week has been crazy. On one hand, if you're on Instagram and you use Instagram as a way to you know, follow pretty things, you see this whole alternative universe of like the Met Gala and all of these super wealthy, you know, famous people without a care in the world except to wear, you know, art and go to fancy parties that we all drool over because they get to live inside of a real life fantasy. Their life is a real life fantasy of, you know, cocktail parties and, you know, caviar and the like. And then you go on to Twitter, which is just a cesspool, but also a microcosm of, you know, the existential crisis that we're all living in, whether it's the economic crisis, the fact that rents are going up everywhere and pretty much there's a housing crisis and nowhere is affordable, that, you know, the feds are going to raise interest rates again, that children are being found to be working at fast food restaurants, which was just discovered by CNN, 10-year-olds working at a McDonald's until 2 a.m. and not getting paid because that's fucking normal because the Republicans are rolling back child labor laws. And then, you know, there's Republicans also rolling back the ability for women, no-fault divorces in red states so that women have to stay trapped inside of marriages that they want don't want to be in. And, you know, on top of that, carry babies that they don't want. I feel like I want to fucking scream like I'm losing it, folks. And yeah, this is not a great week. So I am going to meditate again for like the third time today, go out for a walk and take in something beautiful that doesn't revolve around capitalism or patriarchy or white supremacy and Hopefully tomorrow will be better. But today, not fucking great. And that's okay. Some days, again, are better than others. And we just have to recognize that, that we're in it right now. I don't know what the other side looks like or, frankly, if any of us will be alive to see it. Because some days I feel like we're about a couple of months into the Hundred Year War and we won't know it until, you know, historians document it if they're still alive. Oh, Mm -mm -mm. I just, it's like you want society to be better, right? Like 
each generation's responsibility is to try and better the society. But it's like, how do you continue to push against these forces that are just, you know, Herculean at this point that are successfully pulling us back to the 1800s? I mean, I can't wait for them to pass, you know, nationwide you know, prayer back in schools, which they're already doing in the South. Women can't wear pants, can't get a divorce, have to carry babies, can't work. I mean, you know, I want people to understand that there was a time when Iran was a democratic country, when there were liberties, civil liberties and freedom. And then the Islamic, you know, regime came in and everything changed. And that's what I feel like we are facing right now. And more people just need to wake up and be conscious to that. Coming up next, my conversation with my friend, Dr. Christina Greer. Folks, whenever I have the opportunity to speak with one of my good, good colleagues and friends in the space of politics, um, I am so incredibly honored always when Dr. Christina Greer, uh, political scientist and associate professor at Fordham University, uh, joins us and is the author of Black Ethnics and the co-host of FAQ NYC and host of The Blackest Questions on the Grio Black Pods. Um, let me tell you something. There is not a day that has gone by this year thus far where I'm not like, oh, our democracy is in shambles. Like, oh, I think that, oh, I think we've reached the point of no return. Like, I don't think that this is repairable. And I feel like historians, you know, if they, if those people still exist and are not, you know, in, in prison and in, you know, someplace, um, will look back and be able to pinpoint, Christina, these inflection points that marked the end of our democracy. Now, you know, Every time I've got my own. Right. Every time I talk to you, you know, as a professor, I'm assuming you have to have some sense of hopefulness. Otherwise, you wouldn't be trying to educate the future political scientists um, in in this field. But when you're kind of taking a step back as you know, we're not even six months into 2023 and we're seeing this not no longer slow moving insurrection, right? It wasn't just the violence that we saw on January 6, 2021. There has been an onslaught at every angle, uh, every level of government and every angle. What what are you thinking these days? Um, and, and how does that how does that inform, frankly, how you are teaching? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, I, I tend to have a pragmatic optimism just because I am with young people. And so I think we're in really good hands, especially, you know, I've said this before. I love this Gen Z. Like, they're just, they're on some, like, I don't take no shit type of stuff. Like, yeah, they're kind of like us. They're they're more like Gen Xers, you know, unlike millennials. Mm -hmm. Like, they're scrappier. You know, they their future's uncertain. You know, we've gone through a lot as Gen Xers, you know, we've gone from, like, literally, like, tapes to you know, the internet and like we're latchkey kids and parents are like, good luck. <laughs> See you at nine when I get home. You know, like we kind of raise ourselves on like Pop-Tarts and Steakums, you know, so it's, we, we're scrappier and 
Gen Z has some of that. So that makes me feel good. Um, yeah, we are on the precipice. But if we really, if we're honest, we're always on the precipice. Like the reality of this country is that we've never been in a good place. Never. Really? No, no. Like the 80s okay, was I Reagan. Just, was I just too young and yeah, like, I, think so. I think we were. And like in my, in my own stuff yeah. to think that like there were better times than what the fuck yeah. we're living through right now. Well, here's the thing. The people were always here. They just didn't say it out loud. But they right. still professionally, they, you know, prevented people from getting promotions. They prevented people from moving to neighborhoods. Now they're just like, Negroes, I just don't want you here. But before, and I should use a Southern accent because it's all 50 states. But like, <laughs> I was going to say. Right. So it's like, you know, as Mark Twain always tells us, he's like, hey, listen, like, you know, these Southern women learn from the Northern women a lot of ways. But, um. You know, I, I think now, as, as Donald Trump would always say, is like, you know, we're the silent majority and just like say it out loud. And he's given people permission to say things out loud, but it's not like he taught them. He's just saying, stop whispering it mm-hmm. amongst your quiet circles. You can say it, like be loud and proud. So I don't feel like, yes, are we, does it feel like we're on the brink? Absolutely. But if we're really honest, which we're never honest about the history of this nation, right? where this nation has always been, it's like, we're always sort of on the brink. You know, I mean, then what, what is it then? At this moment. Because, because, I, because, I think, because I think that you're right, right? I think that it is this Pollyanna whitewash, purposefully whitewashed view of America that we have been indoctrinated with since we entered the K through 12 public mm-hmm. education system and beyond. If you went into a liberal arts college, then maybe and decided to take some classes that opened up your eyes and began to the the re-education, right, um, of, of yourself, then maybe you know some other things. But the reality is, you know, let's take Tulsa, Oklahoma, the, the 100th anniversary of mm-hmm. the massacre that was just you know, uh, acknowledged by the first president, Joe Biden, right, Um, a couple of years ago. And I would tell you probably nine in 10 Americans didn't know what that was, um, that this was a shock to them um, and a shock to then learn that it wasn't the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, that, you know, we could, I could keep counting. I, I would run out of appendages. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when you say we've always been on the brink then, is it, Christina, that we are more conscious now? So it feels different or is there something also very different about this particular moment both right and so one first of all we're a little bit older so we're putting pieces together in a more complex way two we're in a 21st century version of racist america so like this isn't the 1776 version or the 1619 version or the 1865 version or the 1920s version or even the 1980s version so we're in the 2023 episode and it feels different But I think, you know, we also have a few other competing factors. So we have a lot of visible, powerful black people who aren't just like athletes and singers. Right. So I think there's a collective freak out about white people when it comes to equity. Right. Anytime there's inclusion, they see it as a loss. 
right. by and large. And so this idea that like black people and Asian people and Latino people and even native people here and there are coming into what has always been told to them is it's their space, mm-hmm. right? Their neighborhoods, their schools, their jobs. So that's because that's the foundation of America. So it feels as though they are losing everything, like Archie Bunker on steroids. <laughs> you know, because yeah. that's the whole premise of All in the Family, I miss right? the friendly like, racist, you know? Yeah, but I mean, the the genius of that show is that he's mad. Don't forget, he's mad that the Jeffersons move into his neighborhood. Right. He's apoplectic when they move out for the Upper East Side because they mm-hmm. made so much money. They're like, ugh, bye queens, right? So it's like, that's where we're in this moment. And then you add in this other piece. And the other piece is not just the four years of 45 who said, be as racist as you want. It's cool. But also the proliferation of guns. Yes. And also, so it's like guns, guns, guns. Anybody can get guns. You can get them legally, illegally. You can get guns that can blow up children in three minutes, as we've seen. Three minutes. Three seconds. Three seconds. Yeah. You add on top of that. And I was literally just telling my therapist this today. COVID is going to take a while for us to ever fully process. Like that year and a half of like the intense, we're still in COVID, but like from that March 2020 mm-hmm. to sort of like kind of like the end of 2021 when it was really intense or maybe even like, you know, I would say beginning the of 20, beginning of 20, because that's when Omicron popped back up. Right. So like, yeah, let's just, let's just say two years, right? I'll just two, go March two, to March. Yeah. Right. March 2020 to March 2022. We had over a million deaths mm-hmm. that we just not talking about. Like we still talk about 9-11 as we should, right? Let's but we don't talk, but we don't talk. It's, you said to process and I'm like to process something. I'm in therapy too. One would have to acknowledge we have to that acknowledge there is something it. that needs so, to be processed. So again, with racism, we got to acknowledge that it's here. Well, most Americans are like, you guys are just being so histrionic and you're always making something out of nothing, right? So when I, you know, talk about what what happens to a 16-year-old boy who's being shot in the head and I start with, why are you all leading the story with he was an upstanding student and in the band? I'm like, that shouldn't matter. I don't care right. he was a drug dealer on the street. He's a child. He shouldn't get shot in the head. And people are like, well, you know what? He's in the wrong neighborhood. If he didn't want to get shot, he should have been a white neighborhood. Th- that's the immediate response yep. I get, right? Or if I'm talking about children at the border and I'm like, how can this country separate you? This is, you know, during the, the 45's administration separating children who are so young they don't know their names they don't know their parents mm-hmm. names they will never they were writing in this remind people they were using sharpies to write on babies arms just i right? hope i see my child one day who knows right we'll hopefully use dna evidence to like reunite we don't know about the sex trafficking or the labor like all these things that these poor children are going to endure and are enduring probably right now right and then people message me well they don't want to lose their kids they shouldn't have come here. So it's and it's like, yeah. right, but your ancestors came here, didn't speak a lick of English. They came here on boats too. You know, so like this lack of seeing other people as human yeah. has always existed. Yeah. And it's like, it's wild for us. But I think what also feels very different, and this is why I love Mark Twain and I'm on the board of the Mark Twain house, is because Mark Twain has always talked about white women. He's always put them up there. Just like, I think a lot of people are shocked, like, <gasps> White women are upholding patriarchy and racism. Can you imagine? And I think for a lot of people, they're learning it for the first time. And a lot of white women are like, yo, what is up with my people? Like, 
I'm not like that, but like there are a lot of white women who are doing things that are like the antithesis of like what would ever help move women along or like people like me, whatever it may be. But it's like, right, but we don't respect history in this country. We, I mean, we've seen time and time again, it's not just Ron DeSantis who's sort of trying to make sure we're ahistoric. We've been ahistoric. This is why we didn't learn about Tulsa in school. Right. This is why we didn't learn about Black Wall Street in school. This is why the four black people that, you know, most Americans know are Martin Luther King, Frederick Douglass, Sojourner Truth, Harry Tubman. That's it. Nobody talks about Mary McLeod Bethune, right? And so, like, part of my podcast, you know, people are like, these questions are hard. It's like, because we should know them, because black history is American history. And if we don't know it, then we're lying to ourselves. So, like, we have to ask ourselves, why is it that this selective history, like all the Native Americans who were snatched from reservations, or first of all, put on reservations, and then snatched from reservations, and sent to these schools, similarly to what we're doing with kids on the border, you know, like basically imprisoning them and like indoctrinating them and making them speak English and lose their native language. They've never seen their parents rampant sexual abuse and mental and physical and emotional abuse. We've been doing that. Like we didn't learn about that in school either. So this idea that we take things out of the educational system, is it new? Mm -hmm. This idea that white women uphold patriarchy and racism, is it new? This idea that white people don't want people of color in their homes, neighborhoods, schools, you know, all the things. We talked about this, Danielle, Upper West Side two years ago, a few years ago when de Blasi was trying to make folks combine the two public schools, K through five, the one that was fancy and the one that served the kids mm-hmm. in the project, Black and Latino primarily. These white mothers, you would think were Mississippi 1962. The way it was like, you can't have these kids in my school. First of all, it's a public school. Easy killer. Second of all, do you really think that a five-year-old is going to become, quote, unquote dumber just from having a black kid in their class? Yes, they do. Because right. they have been, because they have been spending their entire, you know, life savings and what have you on the nannies and on the tutors and on the this, that and the other things. So the idea of black and Latino children in your child's classroom means that the classroom must be inferior. Right. That's what that's what that's what that taught. That's exactly what that And that's what you fundamentally believe, because if you look at Jose and he speaks English and Spanish, it's a negative. But your kid with the private nanny teaching them Spanish, all of a sudden it's like it's a leg up. You know, so like even how we frame being bilingual or bicoastal, whatever it may be, or having, you know, parents who are immigrants. I mean, first of all, like Donald Trump, four of your five kids are children of an immigrant. Like you're so anti-immigrant. Two of your three wives are immigrants. Immigrants, immigrants, not just like a little bit, right? So I say all that to say we're in dark times. Yeah, but I'm like, I know who this country is. She's the same as she always is. So it's like, I'm not freaking out because she doesn't really surprise me that much. And my grandma used to always say, the only time you should be surprised is when you're surprised. You know what it is? for me these days is that I am not surprised. I am exhausted by grief. Yeah. Right. It is not, it is not the surprise because this country has been stealing black and brown children from their mother's wombs, from their homes, from, you know, since the beginning of time. Right. Um, I am exhausted by the fact that there is no corner of this country that is safe for black people. Mm -hmm. 
I'm exhausted that there was just the NRA, right? The NRA following two back-to-back mass shootings host their fucking convention. And there were pictures going around the internet of young white boys Mm -hmm. holding up guns to cameras, right? And I'm thinking to myself, and yet a black boy in this country can't get lost, right? A black boy in this country can't play on a playground with a fake gun, but a white boy can hold up a real one. And that, be, and that be considered cute and okay. Yeah. So I, I just, it is not this, I'm not surprised. I'm just exhausted by grief. And I don't really know even understanding but a smidge of the history that I should know. I don't know what to do with the persistent grief. Yeah. I mean, listen, when... Whoever figures that out will get the Nobel Peace Prize because I literally, I mean, that was the topic of today's therapy session, which was, I'm numb. Yeah. When I say I'm exhausted because I can't, I can't allow myself to fully understand it. Right. I think that I, I, right. I was like, I think the people who are crazy on the subway who were like, I don't want to use the word crazy. The people who are on the subway, like talking to themselves mm-hmm. and like clearly not on this planet with us fully. I'm like, I think that their brains are like processing all that is happening mm. or at least more of what is happening than we are. Because if my brain allowed me to process, first of all, the past, forget about how we're even here. Mm-hmm. My brain can't process mm-hmm. how we have sharks on the East Coast that should be in Africa, right? Plankton and seaweed and fish like there were so many people that were thrown overboard. It's like we have a whole literally marine ecosystem that has changed because of the transnational. But we also, you know, like thinking about white people used to use black children as bait when they would, you know, alligator hunting. Like all these things, George Washington ripping teeth out of his enslaved Africans, you know, wearing them as a teeth. But we're taught it's, it's wooden teeth. Like just lies, 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 right? The incessant rape people liking this shit in their enslaved Africans' mouths. Like, just horrid, horrid stuff. Like, brain can't process. But then I bring it to the 21st century, and it's like, after Sandy Hook is, you know, when you you started off talking about, like, what are these inflection points where it's like, we lose, you know, we've lost democracy. Sandy Hook is on that list, yeah. right? Because Mine that was middle-class white children. And I said, and I mean, this isn't, you know, profound. Everyone said it, who cares about these issues. But we all said, if they let this slide, mm-hmm. white children, yep, beautiful little middle-class white children, mm-hmm. if they're going to let these babies get murdered in school and do nothing about it, we're done. We've, we've, we're done. We're, none of us are safe. And white people will soon find out that they're not safe either, right? But I was like, but black people damn sure aren't safe. And then what happened? Obama hired crisis actors. That's when also it was like, oh, we've we've just jumped the shark. We, mm-hmm. I mean, this is where's the bonds in his leather jacket? We have fully jumped the shark right now. So there's that. I think O.J. Simpson's an inflection point. Like that. Do you realize if you talk to if you listen to like white people talk on podcasts, TV shows, like scripted TV shows, whatever, in conversation, 
the number of times that O.J. Simpson is brought up is fascinating to me. Folks are still feeling it. Like, that is the first time where they're like, this Negro got off scot-free. Like, the way they're accustomed to getting off scot-free. But we, we, that was the first time it was like, class trumped money. And, and it was a white woman. And she was mm. blonde. Like, just a whole bunch of stuff. If you start paying attention, you'll realize the number of shows where it's like, O.J. Simpson still comes up like this thing happened last year. Obama's another inflection point. It's like educated black man, his black family, like all these high, like highly successful, smart black people that he hired where all of a sudden it's like, wait, that one black kid in the class that nobody talked to. It's like, yeah, it's a gaggle of us. Like, put us all together. <laughs> right? It's like, so then all of a sudden it's like they started realizing it's like, well, that one black kid from your class and that one black kid from his class and that one black kid from her class. It's like, right, now we're a whole cohort and low key we know each other. So, like, you also can't get away with some of your bad behavior because we do know each other. And now we no longer suffer in silence. We actually talk to each other about your bad behavior. So, and we're your boss. So that's a whole other thing because most, like, most white people have never, first of all, they don't have white friends or black friends, but they don't have black bosses. Like, this is why I think it's so important Mm -hmm. to have black teachers. You know, a friend of mine, Misha Mosley, Dr. Misha Mosley, started the Black Teacher Project because it's like most black people have never, most white people have never had a black person in a position of power over them. Black Mm. boss, black teacher, black principal. And you see the constraints and the struggles that black teachers go through with their administrators and, you know, sort of their colleagues who don't respect them in the same ways. You know, I see it as a black professor, the trials and tribulations of not just getting the PhD, but also getting tenure, you know, like all these things. It's like, it's still America. So just because we're in one profession, it's not like racism doesn't exist in the profession. But it's Media, this, you know, journalists it, like, talk about it, doctors talk about it, nurses talk about it, everybody. It's just, I guess also where I find myself is that in the listing of accomplishments and achievements, right, of black people, despite every purposeful, racist, systemic obstacle that is placed in our way, there's more than one cohort of successful, intelligent, all, you know, black folks, right? Mm-hmm. And this challenges the white worldview. Mm-hmm. And so here we find ourselves now. What are we? F- 12 years removed from Obama's first term. And we find ourselves experiencing white lash to the ninth degree right Mm -hmm. that I don't think I knew that there would be I didn't think that the backlash I didn't think that the white lash that is occurring would take us back to the 1800s right like I didn't think it would go back there right yeah but if we look I mean who came after David Dinkins a series of white mayors Rudy Giuliani right specifically right everyone's like what happened to Rudy Giuliani I was like nothing he was always this way he's the one who led the riot on city hall property with a whole bunch of drunken police and fire um employees of New York City threatening to hang David Dinkins when he was mayor calling him a shoeshine boy and the n-word while he's in city hall and had they broken through the barriers lord knows what they would have done throwing cans and bottles at city hall led by Rudy Giuliani with a bullhorn so like 
history doesn't but how do we how do we remember him america's mayor until of course fast forward to donald trump with the dye dripping down his face and everyone's like what happened to him it's like nothing happened to him he's the same guy you guys just decided to choose five minutes in time with this with this racist ignoramus and here we are right and so it's like america has all these data points it's just people don't like to connect the dots and i said this before you know when it comes to like white allies we're always just like, what can I do? <laughs> and you remember when you were growing up and you'd have, you know, companies coming over Thanksgiving, Christmas or whatever. It's time to get the house together, right? Like all hands on deck, you know, mom's in the kitchen. We got things popping. And it's like, people are coming. Like we got to get this house together. And I swear to you, if my mom heard me ask the question, what do you wish you to do? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at one point she was like, look around look around like I will not sit here and go through an itemized list where we have two hours before everyone gets here it's like you know vacuuming needs to be done and trash cans and beds made you know, the house needs to look a certain way you know what the house needs to look like so get to it stop right. acting like you don't know what it means to entertain and have the house prepared right mm. set this table mm-hmm. sweep this floor like get yourself together get your mind right so it's like that's the way I feel about white people we're like excuse me Chrissy like what should I be doing? Girl, if we are in the year of our Lord, 2023, and you are looking around at this disheveled house and you were asking me what you what needs to be picked up and taken upstairs, like, stop passing all the things on, you know, the bottom of the stairs that need to be taken upstairs. Stop asking by. Pick it up. Mm. Pick it up. And do the work. You know, it's like, we know that your grandpa and your uncle are going to, and your aunt, right? Because we keep saying uncles, and your aunts, they're not going to listen to Dr. Christina Greer. Right. So it's like, do the work, have those hard conversations. But people don't want to have them. So then all of a sudden it's like, well, what should I do? It's like, well, you don't feel like working. So I don't I don't know what to do. Like you want me to tell you to do something that's real soft and easy so you don't have to do the work. And then you can just be like, yeah, I did something. It's like, OK, go knit a pink hat then. That's what I tell you. Oh, shit. That's what I'm you saying. know, Christina, the, the last question that I'll ask you just for this conversation because God, I love our conversation so much. You know, I'm still mad. Uh, pink hats. I, I'm I like, know. I'm sorry. That's your response. Like, you're <laughs> that's your response. All, all the things that need to be picked yeah. up around this house. You're like, I'm going to go knit. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Um, how do you, and you, you mentioned therapy and I mentioned therapy and I talk about it a lot on woke AF. I talk a, a lot about mental health and care and, I have tweeted out that I'm at a stage of this week where, you know, I'm at the stage of pretty much at the end of every week of this of this year thus far where I'm like, I just want to call out black like I am tired. Mm -hmm. My heart is heavy. My spirit is heavy. My body hurts. And so how is it that you is it the not processing sometimes that allows you to move forward. What are you doing oh, to not yeah. run out of your home yeah. and scream in primal rage or just like throw the computer against the wall? Just like be like, you know what? Just fuck it. Just yeah. fuck it. I'm done. Well, I recognize that this is not a sprint. This this is a marathon. Our life is a marathon as black people. And so rest is resistance. I do go on vacation. This work will be okay. Okay. Like, I go to an undisclosed location for two weeks the second the semester ends, once the grades are in, go to graduation, put on my little fancy gown, and then about two weeks in the Caribbean, drinking beer for breakfast, walking around in my swimsuit all day, 
sitting there looking at bird drama and iguana drama. That's what I do. And then throughout, like, I have to go someplace hot. You see, I'm like tan right now, right? It's like I have to have sunshine and I can't fully check out because it is during the semester. But like, I'll go away for a few days and, you know, I still have to check in with email and things like that. And, you know, I teach my classes, but like, I have to leave this country. Yeah. There is no way I feel claustrophobic. That's, that was the hardest thing for me with mm-hmm. COVID, being stuck in this country. That was the longest I'd been in the United States as an adult, just like without leaving. I have to leave this country like literally minimum like every three to six months. Yeah. I, I mean, think easily. I need to start that plan. And just to like, just to be away from her because she can be a lot. She, she can be lovely. I mean, there's a lot of beauty in this country and a lot of nature. And if you can't leave the country, like I was in New Mexico for a meeting. I felt like I was in a different country. Like, so just going to different parts of the United States where it feels foreign to me, because I don't know much about New Mexico. And I mean, listen, that's the only majority people of color state that we've got. The state charter, Spanish is equal to English. I mean, it was so it's not like going to Miami where it's like, oh, everyone speaks Spanish except for me. But it's like, no, no, no. In the state charter, we speak Spanish. So like one of my meetings, I had the little translator gear on because it's like, mm-hmm. we don't speak English here. Yeah, it's America. It's New Mexico. So I have to get out of New York City. New York City is wonderful, but like she can be a lot. Um, so I take breaks and I take rest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I do, you know, I'm a big theater person. So like I have to go see like make believe worlds. Mm. Just, like theaters make believe. So I'm not a movies person. Couldn't tell you the last time I went to the movie theater around COVID time. But like, that's just not my, that's not the thing that is my escape. I know a lot of people love movies as an escape. Like they go to the movie theater, they get their popcorn, like they save up and it's like, it's an experience. I've never really enjoyed it like that. I love going to the theater. So that for me is like, that's a few hours of just feeling, feeling good. I also get massages and facials on a regular basis. Yeah. Because no matter how much I get a massage, they're like, what are you holding in our body? And I'm like, I know they're like, your little old body. And it's like, and I'm riddled with fibroids. Like, I know that's stress. Like, you know, it's all the scientists. We don't know why, but black women have 90% of all the fibroids. You don't? You don't know why? Like, Like, we could tell you. We don't have, you know, I don't have a medical degree. Exactly. But but I could could tell it out. So, yeah, um, I do try and take care of myself, you know, like, I mean, when I say take care of myself, like treat myself to things that like, realistically, if we were a different kind of country, these things would be paid for, you know, we would be like, right, or whatever, right, right, bad houses where you can go and steam and soak and, you know, but because we don't, then I build that into the budget. So like, I don't have, you know, designer handbags, because it's like, well, that means I can't go to the spa. So, you know, because I'm not a corporate lawyer. So it's like one or the other. And I'm choosing spa time. I don't begrudge people who, you know, have Gucci sandals and all this other stuff. But it's like, I can't afford both. And yeah, I'm yeah, thoroughly yeah, yeah. disinterested in Prada bags if that means I can't. Not if I can't vacation inside of it. <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. I need sunshine. So like right now I'm like researching. I got to finish this book project that has been hanging over my head like an anvil for two years. I just haven't like looked at it. Um, and I was like, I need to leave. Yeah. Now the writing here isn't helping. So like. I'm looking at random cities in Europe to like go sit down and like barely speak the language. So I won't be chippity chatting with people like go there and get work done, period. 
some yeah. someplace gorgeous and like find that beauty. I think that that is the most important lesson is to find the beauty and a consistent reminder for myself and everybody listening that rest is resistance. It is, uh, especially for black women. Uh, particularly for black women, um, that rest is resistance and- uh, And so is sleep. Yeah, which I don't get much of these days. Um, oh, I'm I like, I go to sleep. Now I have this bad habit now of waking up at three o'clock in the morning and like checking Twitter and Instagram, so I gotta get out of that. But like, I have like, not like a bedtime, but like, you know, go to sleep. I, it's time I, to sleep. Like yeah, pajamas my, are on, teeth are brushed, face is washed. I mind that, but that that's me. Is that the I go through these phases where I'm really really good, but my mind won't stop these days. So uh-huh. I need to figure out ways to stop it. But I will say, oh, I have here, oh, I have a whole sleep regimen. Yeah, I will say, friends listening, um, to remember to engage with as much horror as we're seeing on a regular basis, that to balance that with as much beauty as possible. Dr. Christina Greer, my friend, thank you so much for making the time for joining Woke AF. I always appreciate, 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 appreciate our conversations. I absolutely love being here. And hopefully I'm not not like a... um, you know, clueless ray of sunshine. I'm just trying to balance. No, it's balanced. What this country is and what we can do. We can only do what we can do. Amen. And I sent you my sleep (laughs) regimen. You're the best. That is it for me today, dear friends, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people. Power, get woke, and stay woke as fuck. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This message comes from Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship. With thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.